0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Judges, chapter 6, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: They would take the wheat and they would gather it up in this in these bushels and they would take it and grind the wheat and then they would take the bushel and just throw it up in the air and the breeze and the wind would separate the chaff from the wheat, which is what the Lord's going to do in that day. Right now, he says, just tarry. Everybody just tarry together. Everybody stay calm because in that day, I'm going to do the separating. So the threshing floor is at the top Of the hill. The wine press is a great place for grapes, but it's a terrible place to thresh wheat because, in the wine press at the bottom of the hill, there's no air, there's no wind. It's bad to thresh wheat at the bottom of the hill. And so what we have here, here's the scene, Gideon was in the wine press, he would throw the wheat in the air, the grain and the chaff would come back down, and it would get in his clothes, and it was itchy, and it was sticky, and he was in bad working conditions. And he's trying to do his best with very little results, all the while thinking, man, I'm a coward, because he's hiding from the Midianites, you understand? He's hiding from the Midianites, And the people are in the caves hiding from the Midianites and everybody's fearful and he's working hard for little results. And he's probably thinking, man, I'm a coward. I'm a wimp. I'm afraid to go to the hilltop. And it was at that moment in this moment, the angel of the Lord shows up and he says, hey, you mighty man of valor. Gideon's probably looking around thinking, is anybody else here? I mean, you can't be talking to me. Hello, do you see what situation I am in here? Man of valor, who? Me? Yeah, you, Gideon. See, it would seem that Gideon is the furthest thing from a mighty man of valor. It'd be like saying to Britney Spears or Little Kim, Hey, you paragon of modesty. It'd be like... Uh, I don't think so. You see? And Gideon's thinking, I'm not a mighty man of valor. Yet the Lord says, yes, you are. You're a mighty man of valor. Why? Why? Because God, listen at this, God doesn't see us in our present problems. He sees us as a finished product. Amen, saints? I don't know about you, but I'm glad about that. God sees the potential in us, the potential to be used for the kingdom of God. God sees something in us that we don't see in ourselves. God obviously saw in Gideon something that he did not see in himself, something that other people didn't even see in him. You see, we see and other people saw fear in Gideon. God saw fear a force the world saw a crowd and god saw a champion the world saw weakness and god saw a warrior the world saw poverty and god saw power someone once said god can make us what we cannot make ourselves that's why god can say You, Gideon, are a mighty man of valor. That's why God can say, you Christians are my people and powerful people. Because God sees in you what you do not see in yourself. I could not see in myself what God is currently doing in my life right now. I couldn't see that. I couldn't understand why God would call me to be a pastor. I couldn't see that. But God could see that God knows See, God's able to see that things that we can't see in ourselves. And that's why he says Gideon, you're a mighty man about Gideon thought he was a loser. God said you're a leader. see. God sees what we cannot see Notice in verse 13 in your text God begins, Gideon begins to argue with the Lord And he says, you know, I know you think I'm a mighty man of valor and all that But where were you when these guys were ravaging our land And where was all those miracles that I heard about And then notice, and I love this God doesn't even answer his question I like that about God You know, some questions are just stupid Say amen if you know that um, some folks, they just ask stupid questions. So don't get me on that. That's a whole other sermon. David, that's another sermon, man. <laughs> some people are just stupid. And God knows, he God is God. And God knows, God. I'm not going to even answer that. That's not even important. Notice what he does say in response to Gideon's question. Notice what God says in verse 14 Go in this might of yours, and you will save Israel. And Gideon continued to argue with God. And he says, God, how can this happen? We're the smallest family, and I'm the weakest in the family. And I can hear God saying, I know, I know that, Gideon. That's why I want to use you. Exactly. Oh, we're so we're so small as family and we're small as of the clan and I'm the weakest. I never work out. And I'm, you know, I'm, you know I'm, I'm the weakest in the clan and they all beat up on me. And, you know, and God says, yeah, that's why I want to use you. And that's why the verse in first Corinthians chapter one, verse 27, it says, but God has chosen the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. You see, God's economy is not like ours. We would choose the strong things of the world to Put to shame the strong people. God says, no, I'm going to use the weak things of the world to put to shame the strong people. You see, the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. I had a doctor in my office yesterday, and he was telling me this very thing. He just became a Christian. It was such a blessing. He just became a Christian, and he was telling me, he said, I used to walk in my office, and I used to think that I was the doctor. I was the doctor and I was the smart one. He, he told me and he said, uh, and his nurse who was a Christian and she's always talk about the Lord and tell him she's praying for him and all of these kinds of things. And he says, and he would walk in, I'm the doctor, you know, and you peasants are just this is what he told me just yesterday. And uh, I'm the doctor and you just people are just, you know, whatever. And, uh, And he said, and then he got saved, and God gave him this verse, and he said, you know, Pastor Rodney, I now realize that that I was the fool, and they were the wise one. Isn't that amazing how only God can really show you that? Because he thought he was wise, and they were fools, because what if he had a need for God? He had no need for God. And he said, no, I learned God showed me I was the fool; they were wise because they had God, and I did not. And it was such a blessing. God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And you say, Maroney, you know, God, you know, how can God use me? I mean, you know, I'm pretty foolish, and how can God use me? Listen, you study the Bible, you read this Bible, and you will find out that you are in good company. You know, we think of holy people in the Bible; they're all holy. You know, you go to Duke University and Duke Chapel, and like all the holy people are in stained glass. Have you noticed? Like everybody is in stained glass and they've got halos around their head and stuff. And you think, oh, those are the holy people. You know, Ooh. you go, you feel like all spiritual. And, you know, I, the people I read in the Bible, man, God used them and they were, they were messed up. Noah, Noah, Noah got drunk. Moses stuttered. Jacob was a liar, David had an affair, Solomon was too rich, Abraham was too old. We just talked about that. Naomi was a widow, Miriam was a gossip, Hosea's wife was a prostitute, David was too young and his armor didn't fit, Jonah ran from God, Jeremiah was depressed and suicidal, Gideon and Thomas doubted God, Peter was afraid of death, and Lazarus was dead. Martha was a worrywart, and Paul was a murderer. And did I mention Moses had a short temper? So did Peter, and so did Paul. And God used them all. You see, God uses people who just simply say, Lord, I'm here, use me. And God is using Gideon to deliver his people. And Gideon's arguing with God and saying, God, who am I? God, are you sure you got the right guy? I'm the least, I'm the least, I'm the least. And God says in verse 16, surely I, God, will be with you, and you shall defeat the Bideonites as one man. God says, I'm with you. Gideon It's not what your heritage is, and it's not your pedigree, it's not your degrees. Gideon being used by God is not about who I am, but Whose I am? Gideon, it's not about you. Uh, You're missing the point. You don't get it. It's not about you. It's about God. And that's what he says. Gideon, how are you going to do this? You're not. I'm going to do it. I am with you. And you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Notice in verse 17. And then he said to him, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Do not depart from here. I pray until I come to you and bring my offering and set it before you. And he said, I'll wait until you come back. I love that. Gideon said, look, I want to bring you an offering, but just stay right here. I'll be right back. And, 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 and I love this, and the angel of the Lord says, I'll wait, I think that's cool, I'll, I'll wait, I'll wait to come back, so Gideon went in, and he prepared a young goat, some meat, remember there was a famine, so this is a huge, costly worship point, okay? Gideon went in and he prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket and he put the broth in a pot and he brought them out to him under the Teberan tree and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did that. And the angel of the Lord, in verse 21, put out the end of the staff that was in his hand, touched the meat and the unleavened bread. Fire rose out of the rock, miracle, and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now Gideon perceived that it was the angel of the Lord. Uh, Yeah, I would think so. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. See, he saw the angel of the Lord face to face and he thought he was going to die. Because no man can see God and live. And God said, ah, don't be fearful. You won't die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord. And what did he call it, saints? The Lord is peace or Jehovah Shalom. Right? To this day, it is still in Ophrah of the Abizarite. Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has. See, his father was into idol worship, Gideon's father. Now Gideon loves God, but his dad is into idol worship. So God says we need to start the ministry, Gideon, at home. Gideon, go home and tear down your father's altar cut down the wooden image that is beside it and build an altar in verse 26 to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. And so Gideon took 10 men from among his servants and did so as the Lord had said to him, but because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too, to do it by day, he did it by night. Which Gideon said... Y'all going to have to catch me. God, I'll do this, but uh, I'll do it at night. You know what I mean? So they catch up with me. Okay, fine. So, So he did. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning in verse 28, there was an altar of Baal torn down, and the wooden image that was beside it was cut down, and the second bull was being offered on the altar which had been built. So they said to one another, Who has done this? And when they had inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. And the men of the city said to Joash, bring your son here, that he may die, because he has torn down the altar of Baal, and because he has cut down the wooden image that was beside it. But Joash, Gideon's dad, said to all who stood against him, would you plead for Baal? Would you save him? Let the one who pleads for him be put to death by morning. If Baal is God, now here's wisdom for you. If Baal is God, then let him plead for himself because his altar has been torn down. Therefore, on that day, he called him Jerubbabel, which means if you're taking notes, comforter of Baal or challenger of Baal, Jerubbabel. Gideon's name is also Jerubbabel. It was changed at this time. Now his dad gives them good wisdom here. If Baal is God and Baal has any power like God, then let Baal fight for himself. I like that because, you know, people want to argue with you about the Bible. People want to argue with you about the scriptures. I don't argue with people about the Bible. I don't argue with people about the scriptures because I don't feel a need or propensity to defend God. I don't need to defend God. God is quite capable of defending himself. The Prince of Preachers, C.H. Spurgeon, was once asked, they said, Reverend Spurgeon, how do you defend the Bible? Well, he replied, how do you defend the Bible? He said, how do you defend a roaring lion? You open up the cage and let him out. I don't need to defend the Bible. The Bible tells me to simply proclaim it, the word, and proclaim him as God. That's all I need to do. If I do those two things, God will defend himself. I don't need to defend the Bible and get in arguments with people. And that's what Gideon's dad is saying. Although he's like an idol worshiper, there's still wisdom coming out of his mouth. If Baal is God, then let Baal fight for himself. I mean, there's no need to get all involved in that. Well, then all the Midianites in verse 33, and the Amalekites, the people of the east, gathered together and they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. That would be the Megiddo Valley or the valley of Armageddon. But the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Then he blew the trumpet and the Abizarite gathered together behind him. And he sent messengers throughout all of Manasseh who also gathered behind him. He also sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, Naphtali and they came up to meet him see the spirit of God came upon him and he was a bold He wasn't timid and weak anymore now. He's powerful But sometimes we have a lapse lapse in faith notice in verse 36 So Gideon said to God if you will save Israel by my hand as you have said look I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor if there is dew on the fleece only And it is dry on all the ground then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand as you have said Well, it was so. When he rose up early the next morning and squeezed the fleece, he kind of wrung it out, the dew out of the fleece, a bowl of water. Okay, Gideon's having a lapse in faith here. He's testing God. And God says, okay, Gideon, I'll play. And so he fills his fleece with with water, and the ground around it was dry. Gideon wrung it out and got a bowl full of water. And then Gideon said to God in verse 39, Do not be angry with me, but let me speak just one more time. Let me test, I pray, just once more with this fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece, but on all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that, in God gracious, and God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew on all the ground. Now, I'm coming in for a close here, okay? Let's just talk about this for a couple of minutes, just a couple. A fleece. What's a fleece? Well, this fleece was woolly, like a woolly sheepskin. And Gideon put a fleece out before the Lord. God, if this is really you, then let the fleece be wet and the ground be dry. God's gracious. Fleece was wet, ground was dry. Okay, God, can I test you just once more? Okay, how about this this time? How about the ground be wet and the fleece be dry? And God says, "Okay, great. Ground's wet. Fleece is dry. God is faithful. God is good. And God is um, patient. Yeah, patient. But now from this text, we hear a lot in the church today about putting out a fleece before the Lord. We've heard that many, many times. I have. People have said to me, you know, Pastor Rodney, should I take this job or should I take that job? Should I get this house? Should I get that house? Should I buy this car? Should I buy that car? God, I'm going to put a fleece. Rodney, I think I should put a fleece out before the Lord and see what God has to say about that. And people use this whole concept of fleece casting and they take it from this particular text. Let me just give you three brief observations about this fleece. Number one, you want to notice Gideon's fleece was a miracle. This was a miracle. A true fleece is not, Lord, if this is your will, then let the penny flip to the side of tails. That's not a true fleece. Here's a true fleece. It's more like this. Lord, if this is your will, then let the penny land on its edge, spinning, and then let it miraculously turn into a nickel. That would be a fleece. It's a miracle. Number two, this fleece had everything to do with a life and death situation. You can't escape that. The reality is, if Gideon is wrong, it will cost his life as well as everyone else's life. It is, it's more than, should I buy this house or should I buy that house? It's, this is a life or death situation. And thirdly, we do not find believers in the New Testament or any other time in the Old Testament of this fleece laying out or fleece Casting. You do not see this ever, ever again in the scriptures. Therefore, I don't believe Gideon's fleece casting is something that believers should model. I do not see that in the scriptures. In other words, if you have a situation in your life, now, do I think it's sin? No, I don't. If you, if you do, you do. I, from a biblical place and the balance of scripture, I do not see believers ever in the book of Acts, ever casting fleece before the Lord. If we want to know the will of God, there are three ways that you can find the will of God. This, my friend, you need to write down. How do you know the will of God? Number one, number one, read the word and let the word confirm things for you. Read the Bible and let the Bible lead you. Psalm 105, 19, 119, 105 says, thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word will lead you. Trust me. You don't have to make an appointment with Pastor Ronnie or Pastor Charles or Pastor David or Pastor Stephen. You can just say, God, I need your word to lead me. It's what you're feeling and what you're thinking agreeing with what God has already told us in the word of God. That's how you know the will of God. Read the word and let the word confirm. Number two, ask the spirit of God very important Romans 8 26 the spirit also helps our weaknesses for we do not know how to pray as we should but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words and he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God you can ask the spirit of God and even if you can't form the words from your lips because you don't know how to pray then according to Romans Romans 8, 26 through 27, you can just groan and God will interpret the groaning because He understands. You can just grow. I love this one of my favorite verses. I can just, oh God, Lord, oh. And God takes the, oh God, Lord, oh, and He understands. That's amazing. That's amazing, That is one of the most amazing things in the Bible, that you can just groan, and God understands your groanings. You don't always have to have the words to articulate your prayers, you don't have to. God knows, because God is God. How do you know the will of God? Read the word of God, ask the spirit of God, and then instead of putting out a fleece on the ground, how about this, put your knees on the ground. What's that, Rodney? Pray. (laughs) Pray and ask the Spirit of God to lead you. Read the word, ask the Spirit, and just continue in prayer. You don't have to put out a fleece. You don't have to say, you know, I got to see what God wants. God will lead you. He's so faithful. If you just give him a try, he's so faithful. God won't ever, ever, ever lead you down a wrong path. I could give you the wrong information. God will never give you the wrong information. What Gideon did, was it wrong? Absolutely not. God, you read it for yourself. God was faithful. Not only that, but Gideon's name appears in the hall of fame. Not in the hall of shame. In the hall of fame, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. Gideon's name is there in the hall of fame. You know, I love this story. Because Gideon is just like us, weak, doesn't know what to do, afraid. God's wanting to use him mightily, and you should read ahead because he's going to use him mightily.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time.